0: On April 11th, uh, 2002, uh, 19 years ago to this day, uh, my father passed away. My father and I were very close, and growing up, he told me all sorts of stories about his childhood, uh, so I felt I knew him pretty well. I also knew him well uh, professionally. My father was also a physician. Uh, He taught in medical school all his uh, career. Uh, his interest was in infectious diseases, just like mine, and so I was at least vaguely familiar with most of his uh, published scientific studies. Uh, so I was uh, very surprised recently when I came across his very first public- published scientific study uh, an article entitled Ruby Throated Hummingbird Feeds at Yellow Bellied Sapsucker Holes. Uh, published in the Journal of the, of the American uh, Ornithological Society in 1953 when he was 16 years old. Well, that was not inconsistent with the man I knew. He was a lifelong bird watcher. Uh, he was an or- ornithology major in college. But um, uh, <clears throat> when I was 16, I wasn't reading scientific journals, and I certainly wasn't publishing in them. This is a detail he had left out. Now, if my father was ever disappointed in my lack of prodigiousness, uh, he never let on. And maybe that's, that's why he never told me this story. Uh, but I bring up this story uh, to, to illustrate the paradox of familiarity and discovery. We can know someone for years and feel like we know them well. And yet we discover new things about them that change our understanding of who they are. In this uh, series that we'll be going through, um, in the book of Revelation, these seven weeks between Easter and Pentecost, along with uh, Trinity Westside, we'll be looking at select passages from the book of Revelation. Um, The book of Revelation begins with the words, The Revelation of Jesus Christ... And that's what it's about. It's a revealing uh, or an unveiling of the person of Jesus Christ. And so this series is really an invitation for us to grow in our understanding, but even more grow in our intimacy, in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is someone who we are familiar with, and yet there is still opportunity for discovery as we look into his character. Jesus uh, uh, um, is is familiar to all of us uh, um, through the Sunday school Jesus and maybe the Jesus who uh, has carried us uh, when we weren't able to carry ourselves. Uh, But I think um, a barrier to our spiritual growth and maturity, or at least a barrier to my spiritual growth and maturity, uh, is an inadequate vision of who Christ is. As our lives become more challenging and more complex, the Sunday school version of Jesus may not be adequate. We need to grow in our vision of who he is and who he is to us. After Jesus' crucifixion, his disciples were left confused and saddened. The man they thought they knew... Turned out to be different uh, than they thought uh, he would be. Um, uh, they had doubts. They had fears. And Jesus appears to them and uh, gives them a new understanding of who he is. Uh, Thomas uh, needed to learn to suspend his doubts somewhat and to have faith. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus comes alongside two disciples who are caught in this state of confusion. Uh, you know, what's happened? We, we put our hopes in this, in this man. And on the road to Emmaus, he explains to them who he is until suddenly they see him as he is. And that's the journey that we're invited into as we look into the book of Revelation, to see Jesus in a new way. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But our understanding of him Our discovery, our intimacy with him needs to grow for us to grow in him. Jesus uh, in the Gospels is presented as uh, by by the Gospel writer John as the incarnate word, the eternal logos. Um, We see him as a baby in the manger, a humble rabbi, a powerful teacher, a worker of miracles. We see him as the transfigured son of God on the mountain the crucified Messiah, and then the risen Lord. Here in the book of Revelation, we will see Christ presented as the Alpha and the Omega, the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, the Lamb who was slain, a victorious warrior, a righteous judge, King of kings and Lord of lords, and here in the first chapter of Revelation as the transcendent Son of Man. If you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to follow along, I'll be reading from Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 19. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a voice like a trumpet saying, But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death in Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are, those that are to take place after this. The word of the Lord. Before we get into. Uh, um, before we get into John's description of this new vision, this new revelation of Jesus Christ, um, I'd like to tell a little story. Uh, when I was growing up, my mother was on a, on a constant quest for new and innovative ways to get rid of leftover Thanksgiving turkey. Anyone else in that boat? Okay. Um, and uh, one, one year, one Thanksgiving, she came up with this really good turkey casserole. And, um, and I, I ate it, I loved it, and I asked her what was in it. Now, that was my mistake. Um, uh, she had uh, uh, artfully not told me what was in it before I ate it. When she listed out the ingredients, there were some things on there that uh, I normally uh, would not eat. Um, I was convinced uh, that I didn't like it all, things like onions and uh, cream of mushroom soup and parts of a turkey that <clears throat> were, were not my favorite, and, um, uh, and yet I'd already eaten it and enjoyed it. Um, sometimes uh, getting the list of ingredients can be a little bit scary and intimidating, and that's kind of what John does here. Um, there are some pretty scary ingredients to this vision. Uh, the hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. Eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze voice like the roar of many waters in his right hand he held seven stars from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword his face was like the sun shining in full strength this is some pretty scary ingredients you know why does uh, jesus appear to john in this way Uh, why does john describe it in this way well these are powerful images it said a picture is worth a thousand words. And in each of these images, uh, we can learn something about the character of Christ and about his divine majesty. But more than that, uh, they also uh, connect us with uh, previous prophecy uh, written hundreds of years before. Uh, if you go on the CDC website and you look at our guidance uh, there's all sorts of hyperlinks. And if you click on that, it moves you to another part of the, the web page that gives you additional information. And these images are sort of like those hyperlinks for someone who was schooled in Old Testament prophecy. Each of these images connects with something that's already been revealed. There is, a, there is a connection and continuity. This image of the glorified Christ, the transcendent Son of Man, is new, but in a sense it's also very, very old. Uh, This is a a way of of describing, of presenting, uh, that is characteristic of what's called apocalyptic literature. It's not not like the epistles, uh, not even like the gospels, but this is a way that God uses to teach us things, um, and make connections for us that would be difficult to do in some other form. Um, uh, Alan Johnson uh, puts it uh, very, very nicely in his uh, commentary in the book of Revelation. In this symbolic picture, the glorified Lord is seen in his inner reality that transcends his outward appearance. The sword coming out of his mouth alerts us to this. In words drawn almost entirely from imagery used in Daniel, Ezekiel, and Isaiah of God's majesty and power, John uses hyperbole to describe the indescribable reality of the glorified Christ. Well, of these, uh, this this appearance that um, that John saw of of the Lord Jesus, um, if it reminded him of anything, it probably was. Uh, Jesus' appearance on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus was transformed before them, uh, where he was there with with Peter and his brother James. Uh, But it also probably would have reminded him of the vision that Daniel recorded in Daniel chapter 7 of the Ancient of Days. Uh, As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels We're burning fire. So in this picture, there's an image of Christ that is royal, that's regal. This scene here in Daniel chapter 7 is of God sitting on his throne as ruler and judge of the world. So here Christ is pictured before John as as the king. Uh, But he is also wearing a long robe and a sash, which are priestly garments. So we have in this particular Revelation of Jesus Christ that he gave uh, to his servant John in this first chapter of the book of Revelation. The blending of the offices of king and priest. Now in the Old Testament, those offices were almost always separate. Priests were priests and kings were kings. And and they didn't cross over. Uh, Occasionally when people tried to do that, uh, things didn't turn out really well. With one exception. In Genesis chapter 14, we encounter a character named Melchizedek, the king of Salem, or later as it came to be known, Jerusalem, who was also uh, called a priest of the Most High God. And he came and he blessed Abraham. Uh, Jesus is referred in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 as a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. He is both prophet he is both priest and, and king. He also holds the, uh, the order of uh, the office of prophet as well. So why is this important to John? Why is it important to us to understand that Jesus is both priest and king in this revelation of Jesus Christ? Well, uh, partly it's important because we as His followers are also called uh, to be, in a sense, priests and kings, a royal priesthood, uh, priesthood. That is also connected to royalty. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 2. But you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people. For his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Who called you out of darkness. Into his marvelous marvelous light. Well what is a priest? Uh, We get a little bit of confusion. Here in Anglican circles. Because we call people who stand up and preach like me. Uh, priests. That is actually an English word that was derived from Greek word uh, presbyteros, which is an elder. And, um, but a priest in the Old Testament was someone who brought people uh, before God, uh, represented the people to God. Uh, a priest is holy, set apart for, for special purpose, and we as followers of Jesus Christ, we are set apart for holy purposes, but we also have access to God because Jesus Christ has gone before the Father on our behalf. We have direct access to the Holy of Holies. It says in in Hebrews uh, chapter 6, we have this hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. That's the curtain that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle where Jesus is gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Because we have this direct access to God, we are able to draw with confidence to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. We are also, in a sense, kings. We are a royal priesthood. We are co-heirs with Christ, Uh, We're beloved children, not slaves. When we talk about doing the work of the Lord, this is not just doing work that God gives us to do like a slave. When we're doing the work of the Lord, we're doing the work that the Lord is doing together with him. Reigning over God's creation was the original work of mankind in the Garden of Eden, and it will be the final work that we accomplish uh, when Jesus Christ returns. This is what we were made for. In uh, Revelation uh, chapter 20, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over, over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Jesus' kingdom, at least now, is not of this world, but it is breaking into our world. Where the king reigns, there is his kingdom. As Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer, we say, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And there's a connection between these two. Where God's will is being done, there his kingdom is coming. As we delight in his will and walk in his ways, we are indeed advancing his kingdom. Well, what was John's response uh, to this vision of Jesus? Uh, John was one of Jesus' closest disciples. Uh, He was there when Jesus fed the 5,000. He was there when Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead, calmed the storm, cast out demons. He was there on the mountain when Jesus was transfigured before his eyes. He saw the risen Lord ascend into heaven. And yet when he sees this version of Jesus, who Jesus uh, decided to reveal to him in this uh, first chapter of Revelation, uh, he's... Overwhelmed, he's undone. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Earlier in this chapter, um, Jesus is referred to as the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, who is, the, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Uh, the idea here is that, uh, that Jesus transcends time. He is Lord of all time. And that connects with our faith. Our faith has a past, present, and future aspect to it. Uh, we believe in what God has done. We trust in who he is. And we hope for what he has promised. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1, uh, gives a definition of, of faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things uh, not seen. And so our faith is tied to this eternal quality of of Jesus Christ. He knows the end from the beginning. Wherever life is taking us, when we get there, Jesus will already be there. Uh, Christ is Lord of our past, our present, and our future. And this gives us hope because our struggles and our sorrows, although they're part of the story, they're not the final chapter. Fear not, Jesus says to John, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Uh, This is the Easter message, isn't it? Uh, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, He's the victor over death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The message of Easter is that Christ has conquered the grave and he gives eternal life. He is the author of life, as uh, as Peter uh, says in the book of Acts. Um, in uh, early 2002, when um, uh, when my father was diagnosed with uh, terminal cancer, um, my wife and my wife sorry my wife and I were living in Kenya serving as missionaries, and we made the decision to come back home, to be with him during his final days and weeks. And uh, that was a very tough time for him physically and for us emotionally, but it was also an incredibly rich time. Um, I learned from my father how to finish well. Although there was much suffering, there was no fear. There was no fear. I was reminded of uh, the passage in Hebrews chapter 2 that um, says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. That's what my father believed. My father believed that his lord and savior jesus christ held the keys of death in hades that he was the author of life and that there was no fear in death i hope when i get to that point that i'll also go forward without fear so uh, how does this relate to the revelation of jesus christ um Let me read as a final passage, uh, 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Uh, On that final day, when we see Jesus as he is, um, the revelation of Jesus Christ uh, will be perfected in us, because we will see him as he truly is. As I close, uh, let me give this blessing uh, to us. May we all grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Uh, Please stand as we read together the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. Let us pray to God who alone makes us dwell in safety for all who are affected by coronavirus through illness or isolation or anxiety that they may find relief and recovery. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. For those who are guiding our nation at this time and shaping national policies, that they may make wise decisions. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. For doctors, nurses, and medical researchers, that through their skill and insights, many will be restored to health. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. For the vulnerable and the fearful, for the gravely ill and the dying, that they may know your comfort and peace. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. We commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to the mercy and protection of God. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's continue with the prayers for the human family. O God, you made us in your own image, that you have redeemed us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth, that in your good time all nations and races may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.